0: Do you know what time it is? It's supernatural story time. And if you're easily scared, and even if you're not, there's only one thing left to do. Just turn off the lights, because these are stories that you listen to only in the dark. Night Terrors, Volume 3, Story Number 1. This story happened in 2007, and it gets told every time my family gets together. My nana owns a farm, and she has always had a herd of cows and a guard donkey. In one of her cattle fields, there used to be a large circle of mushrooms that my nana said was a fairy circle. Now, my nana is Irish, and Irish people don't mess with fairies, and she refused to even mow over the circle. When she married my step-granddad, he didn't believe in fairies or the paranormal, and he wanted to remove the circle from the field. But my nana told him not to. He thought that she was being silly, and they would argue about it all the time. Long story short, he went behind her back and had the fairy circle removed while she was away. When she found out what he did, she refused to talk to him for days and was very angry and upset. Two weeks after the circle was removed, all of her then currently pregnant cows aborted their calves. My Nana was devastated since she was very experienced and careful when looking after her cows, and she had never lost all of her calves before. It hasn't happened since. She had lost one or two, but never all of them. There was also a strange, scary experience involving me that my Nana believes was also connected. A few weeks after it happened, my mom and one-year-old me Stayed with my Nana for a few days to cheer up, since she was upset about the calves. Somehow I ended up catching chicken pox, which is supposed to be rare in babies under one. Luckily, I wasn't too sick, but it still scared everyone. I know that my Nana still puts small offerings in the cattle field, like small cakes and barley water, even though my step-granddad still thinks it's silly. I've stayed at her farm a lot, and the field definitely has a different feel to it, that I've never felt anywhere else, especially at night, and I would never stay there outside after dark. I know it was probably just two random coincidences, but it's become a legend in my family. Next story. I grew up in the hills of rural upstate New York. The area was very rural. Our only traffic problems were cows crossing the road from their day in the pasture. There are places I won't go in the woods. They just feel wrong. I always thought it was just me being weird until I mentioned it to my father long after I had moved away. After telling him about a couple of spots in the hill behind my grandmother's house, he got an odd look. He admitted he didn't like those spots either, and no one ever hunted there either. I have since talked to a few other people about it, and they too have admitted to feeling very uncomfortable there or told me about other spots in the area. I think there are some places where we are just not welcome next story so it's 1982 and ronald reagan is turning the u.s navy from 400 ships to 600 ships because of the soviet union so the navy takes a lot of old ships they mothballed in bremerton washington and tow them over to tacoma to refurbish them and bring them back into service i'm sure they did this everywhere they had old navy ships So I get a job as a security guard with a company being contracted with Tacoma Boat, who have a huge contract with the U.S. Navy. I can't remember the name of the ship, but it was an electronic warfare ship, which means I have no idea what it was for. Probably a spy ship or something that listened in on Soviet ships and submarines. I'm just guessing. I was not in the Navy. I was a civilian security guard with eight hours of security guard training under my belt assigned to walk the entire freaking ship every couple of hours. Me and another guy, and the other guy was crazier than a squirrel on meth, but hey, when you're paying your guards $3.15 per hour, you take what you can get. So, we took turns walking the ship, as we called it. Had to go all over the ship, make sure nobody was there. The workers got there at 6 a.m. and left by 7 p.m. Lots of overtime because Ronnie wanted his 600 ships fast. Lots of expensive tools lying around, as well as paintbrushes, paint guns, not the toys, but the sprayers, sanders, all sorts of things that one could sell if you ripped them off. So, that's what we were for. Nobody was supposed to be on this ship at all, but me and the hyperactive mental fellow security guard. And we took turns. I'd walk the ship one hour, and then he would be next, then me, The next until our shift was over at 6am. The ship appeared to be pretty much gutted of all just except its electronic equipment. I was told that all the old equipment was being replaced with new equipment but they had to paint it all inside and out first and they were still in the painting phase. Also they were working on the engines below, hence all the tools I saw in the engine room. I worked there maybe five days at most, maybe not even that. It was a long time ago. I would hear voices. I'd be in one room and voices would come from the corridor. I'd be in the corridor and voices would come from a room. Just the voices of men, like they were talking to each other. I'd go into the corridor when I heard the voices and then I'd see nobody and hear nothing. Then voices would come from a certain room. I'd rush in there and again nobody there and silence. I concluded there were radios on the ship and some kind of PA system I was not familiar with. I told the other guard about the voices and he said, Man, that's effin' wild. I mean, you know, man. I don't know. He was either crazy or high and I couldn't tell which. I asked him if he were playing a joke on me and he laughed and denied it. I still wasn't sure because he looked pretty crazy. This was long before drug testing. The last night I was there, same thing. The voices all over the place. One of the mechanics who worked on the engine came in early about 5 p.m. and was sipping coffee in our guard room part of a trailer and I said I'm hearing those voices again all over the ship it must be some kind of radio and the mechanic swallowed hard his java and shook his head no back and forth I said nope there's no radios on the ship they took them all out they're gonna install new ones but they're not here yet I was stunned I said you sure and he took another sip of coffee and nodded yes I didn't go back Today, I regret not going back and trying to communicate with the entities on that ship. No, I don't remember the name of it. Tacoma, Washington, Port of Tacoma, U.S. Navy Electronic Warfare Ship, 1982. Next story. So, at one time, I was working as a security guard at an intelligence company, and I was the only one on night watch, which was from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. There were three buildings on the lot that were completely surrounded by fence with alarms, and only one gate to get into the lot, which was manned 24-7. The lot had been closed for about a week. This was due to the COVID, and no one had been on or off other than the security personnel. All the buildings were locked at all times, since no one was there to work. I was doing my rounds in one of the buildings, and as I'm leaving, I heard an office door slam shut. I'm the only one doing rounds, and everyone else is at their post. I asked, "'Who's in here?' I received no response." As I started to walk towards where I heard the noise, I heard a man say, I'm sorry, but it was right next to my ear. I can only describe the voice as a deep, raspy, sarcastic sound that sent chills through my whole body. I immediately turned to see who was there, but no one was. I immediately called the gate, and they immediately said, no one's been on, and then called the alarm monitor, and he said he had received nothing. I swept the whole building and no office doors were closed in the entire building. I left and sat in my truck, watching the two entrances and exits for the rest of my shift, and no one ever left. I will never forget the sound of that man's voice in my ear. Next story. This happened in 2015. Me and three other friends were stargazing the outskirts of the city out in a field facing a mountain car parked no lights other than the street lights in a place called Santa Elena, which now might be considered an area where only rich or elderly people lived, so there was pretty much no criminal activity whatsoever. But back in the 80s, the mountains surrounding this place were an active war zone where 220,000 plus people died throughout 12 years. This is in El Salvador, by the way. As we stood there, We saw a man holding a rifle coming towards us, and I thought, he must be one of the security guards. This is a nice area and a private residential in a dangerous country, so it's normal for guards to carry shotguns here. I gave that pretty much no relevancy at all, and all my friends noted that if he were a guard, he wouldn't be coming from the mountain. And then we all started to wonder. They got closer, we noticed he's wearing military attire. The shirt was noticeably dirty and very old. He had a very 80-ish haircut, boots, a red bandana, and a weapon that looked like an assault rifle. He walked up to one of my buddies, looking very tired, with bruises, and gasping and asked, "'Hey, what time is it?' To which my buddy answered, "'10 p.m.' He said thank you and moved on towards the mountain again, to which he only disappeared in the darkness.' The three of us started tearing up as a reaction of saying something unexplainable. To this day, I don't know who or what that was. As he left, I felt sad. He looked lost and tired. I was left with a feeling wishing I could help him. Also, back in 2015, we had one of our worst years with more than 10,000 murders. People just didn't go outside at night. This place was heavily guarded, so it was practically impossible for someone coming from outside to get in so we never could explain who he was or where he came from that is if he had been made of flesh and blood next story all right during the time that my story takes place this was about 2019 i was currently in germany participating in a military exercise being an American, this was my first time in europe And also my first time in Germany. I loved being there, as I have a huge fascination with war history, especially World War II. This is important, as I believe it may have something to do with my unexplainable occurrence. Now, on to the story. We had headed out to do some training deep in the German countryside, far from any real civilization other than the other military units training out there with us. At this particular point, we had been out for maybe three or so days, We still had about a week to go, and we weren't expecting anything crazy to happen this early in the week. That's when we suddenly got attacked by the people who pretended to be the enemy. Luckily for us though, my squad wasn't attacked directly because we were far away from everyone else, providing communication to our artillery unit. I would say we were a good couple of kilometers from anyone else, and we were on top of a huge hill, that way our radio signals could go further and be more effective, regardless We still needed to pull security just to be safe. I happened to be the first one on guard shift that morning, so I grabbed our machine gun and headed out from our vehicle. Now, the hill we were on was huge and had only one real way of approach, which was a tank trail that went from the bottom of the hill all the way to the top where we were. At the top of the hill, it was mostly flat, but had another smaller hill to the left of the road. So basically, if you followed the road to the top, and then headed left about 30 meters, you'd be at the base of this other small hill. Well, this small hill was the perfect spot to set up a machine gun nest, so that's where I put it. The hill was impossible to come up behind where I was sitting, as it was super steep and heavily covered in brush and trees. This brush covered almost the whole part of the little hill, leaving only one possible way to get up there, the way I was watching. Fast forward 30 or so minutes and... The sun is just starting to rise through the trees. It was so quiet and peaceful and I just sat on guard enjoying the beauty of Germany when it happened. I heard a very distinct, hushed voice say, He almost as if it was right next to me. It seemed like someone was trying to quietly get my attention. No wind was blowing, no birds chirping, nothing. I quickly looked around to make sure no one was somehow able to sneak up on me and there was not a soul in sight The rest of my squad was a good hundred meters away, in the vehicle, and I couldn't even hear them. It freaked me out, but obviously I had to stay at my post. Then I was officially unnerved. My sergeant tried to sneak up on me a couple of hours later, but I caught him. He didn't realize how steep the hill was and how covered in brush it was, and I could hear him a mile away. He then said that he was glad that I had my head on a swivel and doing the right thing. We began to talk and then he proceeded to tell me what I didn't want to hear. He basically told me that the area we were training in was a battlefield from World War II and a lot of our guys from our sister unit died around here because they had no artillery support and the Germans were so well dug in they couldn't do anything. That information, combined with finding German World War II ammo cans and machine gun belts in the area, led me to put two and two together. Honestly... I'm not sure what to think about this. I have no explanation as to why I heard his voice. I believe in the supernatural, but I also believe in explaining things. The thing is, nothing adds up. I wasn't tired, there was no one around me, and there were no other sounds in the forest. Part of me wants to believe it may be the spirit of a lost soul of the war, or maybe something else. Either way, I guess I'm just never going to get an answer to that question. Next story. I feel I should preface this story with a statement that I'm usually a skeptic when it comes to paranormal stories. albeit an open-minded one. I never had an experience. I would truly say with the paranormal until this one. I have searched for hours everywhere, attempting to find a similar story from someone else, and so far I've had no luck. What really stands out for me is that there is an energy or feeling that accompanies experience and even remembering it still gives me this feeling and I get goosebumps. This is not something I normally experience and most people that know me would probably be surprised that I should be spooked by much of anything. I'm a veteran and I have spent years since leaving the military, working in emergency rooms, specialized security and doing other high adrenaline jobs and I'm not prone to being creeped out. I'm hoping to find Maybe someday an explanation to what I experience. With that, here goes. A couple of months, this was maybe three years ago, I was driving with my wife down a rural highway in Oregon, returning home from a road trip to Crater Lake. We live on the coast, and the highway we were taking to get back is very curvy as it winds through the Cascade Mountain Range. It was dark as ink and probably about 11 p.m., We were driving along, and I was watching the road going about 45 miles an hour. We rounded a bend, which made me slow down to about 45. And just as we got around it, my wife suddenly says, Look, out there, there's a person there. It took me a second for some reason as I let off the gas, and I noticed her, him, it crouched near the side of this two-lane highway on my left side is a person wearing what looks like gray baggy sweats or clothes and a reflective vest. This is an easy 20 miles either direction from civilization and it's heavily wooded. Think Oregon Coast Forest. I begin breaking and instantly the figure stands up, faces us, and begins jogging directly at the car. It felt like electricity in the air as when she faced us, her head was flopped to the side, like her neck Was totally limp, and her mouth was wide open. She appeared to have grey hair, and her arms, hands were held up to her chest, her wrists curled. Her legs didn't seem to be working right either as she hobbled at us. Think like severe, progressed MS. Then it hit this primal like feeling of dread, like my subconscious knew something wasn't right. I couldn't fully focus on her as the car was still moving. And, also, I had to steer. My wife was looking right at her. My first thought normally would have been to hit the brakes and see what was going on, as, once again, this is literally miles and miles from town. But there was just this dread feeling in the air, and time almost seemed to slow down. At that moment, I heard my wife say, Don't stop, just go. Instinctively, I accelerated. As we sped up this lady was jogging right at us and must have come within a foot of running into the side of our car as we went past her. We rounded the next bend, and I looked at my wife and just said, what the hell was that? I should turn around. Who the hell jogs out here? What was wrong with her neck? My wife just looked at me and said, no, don't go back. I don't know what that was. I told her I couldn't look directly at her for as long as I was focused on the road, but described what I saw, and she confirmed she saw the same. She said when she came up to the side of the car, she was staring right at us, and my wife looked her in the eyes. But she didn't have any pupils, and her expression stayed just like frozen, mouth open. We scoured news stories, and I've even contacted authorities. They advised no one was reported missing or hurt out there. I still get this strange, intense, electrified feeling any time I think about her, as does my wife. Anytime I talk about her, I'm compelled to refer to the person... As it, all I know is it wasn't right. We have now coined the floppy-headed jogger. And I don't believe anyone's ever seen something like what we did that night. Next story. There's a vortex along the Oregon coast. And there was this one autumn. This was maybe about three or four years ago. I was spending some time in my family's beach house just south of Beverly Beach. And I happened to be FaceTiming my sister, Liz Alaskan native, and all of a sudden there's a knock at the slider. That's strange. I remember saying to her, and she laughed and said, what? Because she knew I was alone on this trip. And she knew that the driveway from Highway 101 has access to the main door, not the slider, which faces the ocean, and you just can't access it because it's a code padlock gate from the mid-deck. You'd basically have to climb a tree, and jump, hoping you would float in the wind and land on the upper deck. I walked over to the slider, and there was this older guy just standing there on my deck. Here's the weirdest part. It was 4 p.m., and I could see him clearly, could hear him through the glass, asking if I could give him a ride to Depot Bay. My sister saw him as well, except she thought he looked hazy, like he was standing in a fog. I quickly turned around and hightailed it to the front door called 911. Twenty minutes later, police officer did a walk around and found nothing, no shoe prints, etc. I gave him a description of the man in his 50s, torn jeans, 5 feet 8 inches, and looked kind of sick. The officer just looked at me for a minute and said, I think I know who you saw, but this is going to sound crazy. My sister, who's back on FaceTime, is like, is my sister going to be safe tonight? The officer, looking at me, continued, Back in June, we had a car accident pretty close to here, and a gentleman by the name of Jay Dean passed away on impact. He was from Depot Bay. Weird things happen on the Oregon coast. And then I did some research, and it turns out that cop wasn't lying. There was a man, Jackie Dean, 53, I found out, lived at Depot Bay, and he was killed about 3.50 p.m. on June 2nd when his car collided with an oncoming vehicle on US Highway 101, near Beverly Beach State Park, north of Newport. The Oregon State Police said he was northbound in his Sebring when it hit the highway guardrail, crossed into the opposite lane, and struck a southbound vehicle driven by three people. He died at the scene. So, what did he want? Was he lost, trying to get back home to Depot Bay? I imagine that's the reason, the only reason I can think of that he was talking at me through the window. Next Story This happened back in 2010 when I first moved to Eugene, Oregon. My dad started dating and eventually got engaged to a woman he'd met online. She lived in Dexter, which is about 25 minutes outside of Eugene, on a farm. Eventually he moved in with her and I ended up getting emancipated for other reasons, so I didn't live with him but still would visit occasionally. Now, I was raised Catholic and do believe in the power of holy water. Considering I was driving so much, I would often sprinkle my car with some holy water before driving out there because A. I wanted to be protected and B. Driving out there was super sketchy because of the windy roads. My car was also pretty crappy and would often break down, which would have left me stranded in the middle of nowhere without cell service. One day I was visiting my dad and was about to leave. It was early spring and fairly icy still, so I sprinkled some holy water on my car while it was at the house and went on my way. Shortly after that, I found myself waking up every single morning at 3.03 a.m. exactly when I would wake up. I could see a little boy and a little girl standing by my bed dressed in what looked like early 1900s garb. I was never scared, though. Not that I'm super tough, but I guess I never felt threatened. They seemed peaceful. This happened for months on as it was happening, I became fairly present. It seemed like just nothing was going right in my life. One day, I went to my dad's house and asked his fiance if maybe she knew what was going on. First thing she asked me was, did you put any holy water on my land? She went on to explain that holy water is cleansing, and what has happened is when I sprinkled the holy water, some must have landed on the grounds. This cleansed that portion of ground and anything attached to it needed another source to attach to. My dad's fiancée is sensitive to spirits and described what had been following me perfectly. She said that the kids told her they saw me as a motherly figure, since I was the one to remove them from the ground. I said, hell no. So we ended up doing a ritual. It sounds scarier than it was. To basically move whatever was following me by lighting candles, cleansing the house I was living in, and giving those spirits permission to move on. Whether that was heaven or somewhere else, I really don't know. After we did that, I never saw those kids again and started sleeping soundly throughout the night. Fast forward about three months. I get a call from my dad, and he says, I couldn't come out to the property anymore because his fiancée had been experiencing some demonic things around the house. I should mention that I've always been a little sensitive to paranormal things, though. I do not partake in it and honestly try to avoid it, but... That in itself left me open to something hurting me if I came over. The land had always felt heavy to me, if that makes sense. And I really didn't like going out there because I felt like I couldn't properly breathe while I was there. Long story short, they got a priest or someone to come out and cleanse the house. They eventually sold it and moved to California. They haven't had any issues since, and while I experienced the occasional paranormal activity, I generally have been fine as well. So, in a way, this is a happy ending. Next story. So, this happened a couple of years back. Mostly, it involves aspects of my working life that I'm not at liberty to discuss, but also it has severe personal implications for me. Anyway, I've decided to tell it to you. I hope you understand why there are things I simply can't go into detail about. This all started in December of 2020. As part of my education, I was scheduled for a six-month internship at a psychiatric hospital. I had previous experience with working with this type of patient, so I was really excited about it. I switched around the four different wards in the hospital, so I treated a lot of different people with lots of different problems. I was curious about all the different aspects, so I never said no to a task, which meant I came across everything from murderers and pedophiles to suicidal teenagers with personality disorders. My work life, I've had people spit at me, verbally and physically assault me, throw shit at me, and all that stuff. So I like to think I'm a pretty tough guy. And besides that, I always carried a personal assault alarm. One press of a button and staff from every ward would come and be there in a matter of seconds. On one of the wards, I quickly noticed that there was a certain room, which is monitored 24-7 by a guard. To be clear, this is a pretty normal procedure, either because a patient is physically abusive, suicidal, or restrained. But most patients get the watch pulled off them relatively quickly. I asked a colleague, and she told me it was a female patient. Let's just call her Anne, who was extremely aggressive and psychotic beyond belief. At that point, Anne had been restrained to her bed for three months. I could not believe what I was hearing. We have really strict procedures when it comes to restraining people with belts. By the way, they're soft belts made of fabric, not leather. So restraining the patient really is the absolute last resort we go to. I asked the chief psychiatrist what was up with this girl, and he just scoffed and said, if only I knew, but honestly, she defies logic. He told me that at first they thought she was psychotic, but her symptoms only got worse, no matter how much different medications they tried. They thought she might have suffered a trauma and was in a disassociative state but that still didn't fit the profile of her symptoms. She had gone from being a perfectly normal woman in her 20s to being violent, extremely aggressive, and unable to speak in just four months. This is practically unheard of, especially as no drugs were involved. We regularly make a toxicology check of all patients and always when they're admitted. One day my alarm went off. They're all connected, so I knew where to run to to help my colleague. I immediately knew it had to be Anne, and I was right. She had only had her legs and torso fixated, again normal procedure, if the patient otherwise is relatively calm. She had defecated in her hand and thrown it at the guard watching her. She then proceeded to bite her finger so hard that three or four, I can't remember the exact number, had really bad fractures. Both her hands were a bloody mess, and she needed like fifty stitches afterwards. It wasn't the blood or the fact that she would throw her filth at us. I had seen that loads of times, but the screams this woman made, it was the most primal, guttural, and terrifying sounds I have ever heard. It scared me shitless. The best way I can describe it is something like a bear growling and a mountain lion hissing and spitting at the same time. I have seen my fair share of people in primal distress, but I could never have imagined that a person could make a sound like that. As an intern... I'm in no way allowed to use force, so I was just watching as seven of my colleagues tried to fixate her fully to her bed. They had serious trouble pinning her down. Remind you, these are really experienced people. At last, we called a medicinal alarm, which immediately calls for a chief psychiatrist to make a decision. He decided to forcefully medicate her. They gave her one, and then a second shot. It only seemed to piss her off, even though it should have put a bear to sleep. At the third injection, she calmed enough so that they could restrain her. She never nodded off. She just breathed heavily and kept staring up at the same corner of the room, sometimes smirking at something only she could see. Fast forward two weeks. I was back at the ward. It was a relatively calm weekend, so there really wasn't much to do. Anne was in one of her good periods, so she had her restraints removed. A guard was always by her, though. I was sitting in the office when suddenly I see Anne— walking in the hallway without the guard. I don't know if he had taken a bathroom break or whatever, but he wasn't around. So I caught up with her and I asked her what she was doing in the hallway alone. But of course she didn't respond. I should mention that many of my colleagues were afraid of Anne, and rightfully so, even though everyone is aware that it's the illness and not the person attacking you. But when it keeps happening, that patient does catch some stigma. I, for one, always tried to look at the person and not the illness, so I asked where she was going. She took me by the arm and led me to the common area. She went over to the book cabinet, turned and looked at me and muttered, Read book. I was completely taken aback by the fact that she was speaking. She pulled out a random book and handed it to me. She then sat down on the floor and started rocking back and forth. I joined her on the floor and started reading the book. It was just some random book, probably from a charity... And it had no special meaning, but as I read, she came closer and closer to me. She then cuddled up to me, put her head on my lap, and fell asleep. One of my colleagues came by, and she looked absolutely shocked. And before I knew it, five or six people, including the chief psychiatrist, was looking at me, reading this random look out to her. I caught a lot of praise for this, which is always nice. But then things took a turn for the worse, for me at least. It started one night when I was home alone. It was a completely normal night for me until I heard something from upstairs coming down the stairs. The best way to describe it is like a big dog thrashing and tumbling down the stairs. You know, like when a dog rushes down the stairs to greet you. But this was bigger, much bigger. I could hear the weight of something tumbling down while nails or claws or whatever slid on the steps. I got up thinking that somehow there was a massive animal in my house, but there was nothing there. That scared the ever-living you-know-what out of me. I had never had anything like that happen to me. I left the house and stayed the night with my parents. But I also had strange effects on my body. Like I had a filter over my eyes or something. Everything started to seem out of focus like tunnel vision, but with a massive blur added to it. And then I started to disassociate. I had this feeling of being totally out of contact with my body. Then came the panic attacks. My girlfriend called an ambulance one of the times because I was on the verge of a heart attack. The paramedic said I had a heart rate of 240 beats per minute. I've had no prior problems with my psyche, but I figured it was stress. I have suffered from sleep paralysis before, but never with hallucinations or whatever you want to call it. But that started recently. I've seen a large black mass with long arms and legs sits in the top corner of the bedroom, like a massive spider, but just with four legs this started to happen on a nightly basis then a few days later i told my girlfriend about it because she kept pestering me with questions about my nightmares she said that's funny every time you're about to go to sleep you look up in that corner and you sort of smirk that reminded me of ann and now i'm absolutely terrified that i might have brought something home i have never treated a patient like ann and none of my colleagues has either it was scary stuff and I have never suffered any psychological problems before. Never. But something's going on. I'm sure of it. It feels like it wants to get back at me or something. I don't know. And by the way, Anne is much better today. She's in a rehabilitating home where she thrives. One day she might even be able to have her normal life back. I wish I could say the same.